welcome to the ACR Bulletin Podcast, the show where we examine the latest trends affecting radiology. I'm your host, Chris Hobson, and today I'm joined by two leading figures in the field of population health management, or PHM, to discuss radiology's place in the PHM conversation. Shayad Zaidi, MD, MBA, is chair of the Population Health Management Committee of ACR's Patient and Family-Centered Care Commission, or PFCC. He also serves as Associate Chief Medical Officer of Operations and and Integration at Radiology Partners, the largest physician-led and owned radiology practice in the United States. Ryan Lee, MD, MBA, MRMD, serves as co-chair of the ACR's PFCC PHM Committee and is also chair of the Department of Radiology at Einstein Healthcare in Philadelphia. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure speaking with you today. Well, so just to help frame today's conversation, as I mentioned off the top, uh, Dr. Zadie, you work for a large private radiology group, and Dr. Lee, you work mainly in academia. Um, So between the two of you, you cover a a large part of the spectrum of approaches to the the specialty could potentially take and maybe even is taking right now uh, to help uh, manage distinct patient populations. So for that reason, it would be great uh, if today, during today's conversation, um, if you could just provide us with your kind of perspectives through those respective lenses. Um, so, so without any further ado, uh, Dr. Zaidi, um, let's start with you. Um, to help our listeners better understand what population health management even is, um, and, and maybe how it differs from certain uh, similar concepts like pu- public health and population health. Um, can you please give us your preferred definition of PHM? Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. So, you know, I think there are many definitions of population health management. Uh, one that I like from the AHA, the American Hospital Association, is that population health management refers to the process of improving clinical health outcomes of a defined group of individuals through improved care coordination and patient engagement, which is supported by appropriate financial and care models. So essentially the goal of the health system providers in a PHM model is to keep a patient population as healthy as possible while minimizing cost and keeping it reasonable. Now, you know, you you mentioned how is it different from public health uh, and Public health definition from CDC is that it's the science and art of preventing disease, prolonging life, and promoting health through the organized efforts and informed choices of society, organizations, public and private communities, and individuals. So while there's some overlap between public health and PHM, and you know it's obviously important to keep public health in mind for a successful PHM model, I think that public health is driven more for the long term by the government and society working together. While population health management is a more active model of both acute and chronic care and taking some risk on the financial side. Over time, there may be a merger of these models where you have uh, a um, model where you're going upstream in preventing chronic diseases such as obesity and diet exercise related diseases. But we need active PHM in place right now to get the healthcare costs under control. I think care coordination is central to an effective PHM model. And in fact, it can be done on a national basis as there has been an acceleration in the adoption of technology in healthcare during the COVID era with use of telemedicine, AI, remote patient monitoring, and follow-up systems. 
Um, if we could zoom in uh, now from the national to the to the more specialized. So uh, let's let's talk about how PHM pertains to radiology and specifically. So a constellation of healthcare providers fit into the PHM construct as you've just nicely laid out. So in general, where do you think that radiology kind of fits in more specifically? I think radiologists are central to population health management. We are, after all, the doctor's doctor. So we fit in well into a value-based integrated care model as the U.S. pivots towards that. So radiologists already perform PHM in patient-facing subspecialties like mammography and IR. And mammography, as we know, relies on effective communication with the patient, interdisciplinary care coordination, the radiologist is driving the follow-up imaging and procedures. And clinical IR also does this in the more advanced care settings. We need to expand that in other diagnostic subspecialties of radiology. You know, radiology has a role in all aspects of care, and uh, our committee likes to break it up into three buckets. One is, uh, the first is screening and prevention, right? So we have mammography in there and also opportunistic imaging, such as AAA screening and osteoporosis. Then next is the acute care phase, where you want to use clinical decision support to make sure of appropriate care and following choosing wisely guidelines to optimize inpatient and ER utilization. And the third phase is chronic disease management, where we want to make sure that we have effective follow-up for incident lomas, and we should guide the clinicians about when that is necessary to do in line with the ACR and choosing right guidelines. Dr. Lee, I wanted to turn to you now and ask, you know, you know, fighting against that perception, there, there is a perception out there that like many specialties, radiology is peripheral to PHM. So, you know, maybe in your background as an academic uh, and, and, and other sort of care situations, uh, you know, what, why is that? And why, what, I guess, what generally uh, can be done to change that perception, do you think? Hey, thanks, Chris. And again, thanks for putting all this together and, and the ACR for giving uh, uh, Dr. Zaidi and I this forum to really talk about population health and where radiology fits in. Um, you know, for your first question, you're, you're absolutely right. There is a perception that radiologists uh, may be peripheral to population health management. And part of that is built into how population health was originally built. It really, the, the structure of population health was originally uh, built upon a primary care model because the whole goal of population health and, and Saeed gave a, a very nice definition of population health is that we're supposed to take care of patients proactively. And the first patient seemingly to touch or the first doctor seemingly to touch the patients are those primary care physicians. And so a lot of the metrics are in fact built more, the vast majority of metrics right now are built more for those primary care specialties and less so for radiologists. If we go beyond the metrics, the, the vast majority of alternative payment models currently are really built around the primary care physician. And so a lot of those things originally start off in primary care, but you know, as, as Dr. Zaidi said, radiology really is in many ways central to the, the care of popula to, to population health. And as he mentioned, we touch almost every patient, no matter what specialty uh, a patient may be currently going seeking help for, chances are there's an imaging part to that. So we're really primed to be central in the care and the care coordination for, for those patients. And so your, your second part is, you know, how can we change that perception? Well, as I mentioned, we are central because we, we just simply touch uh, more patients than pretty much any subspecialty. We should really leverage that position. 
And part of what we want to do is, as Saeed said, talk about opportunistic health, screening, all those things are all uh, part of the preparation and preventative medicine that we actually have a big part of and develop those kind of models and subsequently develop the reimbursement models to support those activities because in the traditional fee-for-service system, they're not really supported to that extent. And that's part of what we want to do ultimately is to support both those things, develop the models so we can take care of the patient proactively and then the models for reimbursement to support those activities. Right, and you mentioned screening and opportunistic imaging, and, and those are topics we'll, we'll talk about in a few minutes. But just to stay on the APM piece for a minute, uh, Dr. Lee, stay, staying with you, uh, much has been made of the potential for leveraging shared risk, which you, which you both have mentioned up, up to this point, and alternative payment models or APMs uh, to deliver high-quality care to distinct uh, patient populations. So two, two questions, Dr. Lee. First, uh, what do uh, APMs have to do with PHM more specifically? And also second, um, if you would, uh, you know, by taking a, a PHM approach to their work, how can radiologists potentially help entities su succeed uh, within APMs? Sure, the APM or the alternative payment model it's really part of the same thing. They're two sides of the same coin because when we talk about population health management, a lot of this is proactive, preventative healthcare and not simply siloed in one specific subspecialty. And that's the whole point of population health is to keep the population that we are in charge of as healthy as possible. Well, the only way we can do that is by supporting an appropriate reimbursement model. And the fee-for-service model is in many ways incompatible with population health. And that's why uh, there was much activity to developing alternative payment models that can support these activities. And so PHMs or population health management models really incentivize organizations to do more of this proactive management of patients rather than simply paying per procedure, which is really what fee-for-service uh, promotes, basically volume over, over quality. So to me, they're really part of the same discussion in order to have an appropriate population health model, in order to get that accomplished, you have to have the appropriate reimbursement model. And that's what alternative payment models at least aim to do. And, and we don't, uh, I guess, you know, we don't have the, the time today to go into a lot of that, but there are a range of payment models, and I hope to have you two back to talk about this, uh, some that are more tied to fee-for-service and some that are completely extricated from and severed. Uh, completely from fee-for-service. So, but that, I think that's a discussion for another time. Uh, hopefully you all come back. But um, so Dr. Zaidi, um, throwing it over to you, um, now that we have a better understanding of what PHM is, how do you think that private practice radiology, you know, from the context you're coming from, uh, should position itself to drive a shift in mindset toward a PHM approach? I think as far as the role of private practices in PHM, I think we have a growing role because there's so much opportunity in expanding our purview. Uh, the post-COVID era, what I'm finding is that many health systems are pivoting to PHM very uh, rapidly. They're looking to partner with their private practices to optimize healthcare delivery. Mm -hmm. They saw how the fee-for-service system basically failed where the reimbursements are tied to patients coming into the system. Under uh, population health management, you have actually incentives where you know, some PCPs who were on a shared risk model actually had their best financial year last year when patients were not coming into the ER in the hospital. So I think uh, everyone's waking up to that reality. And the health systems wanna ensure that there's good follow-up and avoiding missed cases due to you know, poor outcomes um, and leading to poor outcomes. 
So for that, the radiologists have to be using the ACR best practices for incident requirements. And there's a lot of technology out there that private practices can invest in to help to be compliant and drive the follow-up. There are many AI systems to av available to help with this as well. And health systems are looking for leadership on CDS implementation, which I know has been many years coming, but you know it's uh, on its way and being adopted now by health systems actively. They're also looking for help on ER and inpatient utilization. And private practice radiologists have a lot of relationships with other private practice physicians. They can help lead the culture change that is necessary uh, to drive engagement and make sure of referring doc satisfaction, you know, quality care for the patient while driving overall value. And for those private practices who are willing to take on this triple aim of healthcare, I think they will find health systems who are willing to co-invest in the technology. Um, how should academic radiologists work to influence the adoption of a PHM approach in your experience? In many ways, the more academic radiologist has perhaps even increased opportunity to, ex to be exposed to a population health environment because most academic radiologists function within a hospital-based network. And because it's a hospital-based network, chances are they're in a multi-specialty uh, environment where in many cases, more and more, a lot of these organizations already have accountable care organizations in a population health setting, and most frequently would be an MSSP or a Medicare Shared Savings Program. Because that infrastructure is in place, that gives us the opportunity to already get involved and really promote what radiology can do. As you mentioned earlier, um, the, these a lot of these population health models were designed uh, really, at least with the perception that radiology was on the periphery. But since it's already there, we now have the opportunity to go into an existing uh, model and say, hey, this is, we're here and this is what we can add to it. And, you know, Syed mentioned some great examples. He mentioned clinical decision support. Um, an example of how we can partake in that is since we're the ones as radiologists managing clinical decision support, we should be actively promoting the use of clinical decision support to our third party payers. And if we can demonstrate that there is uh, improved utilization or decreased expenses for inappropriate utilization, perhaps we should be the ones that are eligible for those shared savings. That's an example of shared savings that perhaps isn't done in, in the typical organization. And we can say the same thing. He, uh, he gave the example of, say, breast imaging, uh, breast screening, breast cancer screening, or colorectal cancer screening. If we own those spaces, and we really should, and there's many examples um, you can go through ACR 3.0 case studies where we are managing it, and those are quality metrics. How are those screening rates? And if we can improve the screening rates, we should be involved in having any bonuses that occur because of doing well in the ACL. But at the same time, if we don't do so well, we should also own it and also partake in the penalties. And that really is the definition of leadership and where radiology should be. Yeah, I think CDS and screening and, and other things you mentioned there are really good examples of, you know, I, and, and, and for full disclosure, I actually staff the, the PFCC PHM committee that, uh, that these two gentlemen um, lead. So I uh, just wanted to put that out there. But, but um, you know, so, and, and things that we preach actually in our, in our committee and, and to try to, to, to uh, convey more widely, um, you know, is that idea that, you know, PHM, not, and not all, not every case, it doesn't have to be things that are brand new. It could just be a way, new way of looking at things you're already doing. Um, so I think you, Dr. Lee, you laid out CDS, you laid out things like screening. So Dr. Zadie, um, you know, in your experience, maybe what are some common ways providers are already practicing PHM that they, and maybe whether or not they even realize it and maybe ways that they can build on that? 
Yeah, exactly. I think that actually many providers, particularly the PCPs, are already doing PHM because they provide a lot of care coordination and they're optimizing quality and cost. They just may not yet be in a shared risk model or have incentives attached to it. But we know that the best doctors are already taking ownership to make sure that their patients don't fall through the cracks, right? They employ assistants and nurses to follow up on the radiologist recommendations. They also employ uh, medical assistants to do the prior authorization and jump through the hoops of sort of the CDS uh, that each insurer wants. So they're, they're already doing that and they've accounted for it in their business model. And, you know, so, so what I would say is that they would benefit from taking that extra step of mm-hmm. entering into a PHM model where they get shared savings and other incentives for providing the high quality care that they're already doing at a reasonable cost. Now, as I mentioned previously, mammographers and IR uh, rads are also already doing a lot of this. Radiologists are also doing care coordination whenever we do a curbside consult, right? So we call the clinician with the result. We direct them towards the next step. We don't always put it in our report. Um, we just take it for granted that, you know, if a surgeon calls us and he says, okay, do I need to operate on this diverticulitis and abscess tonight? Do I need to drain it with IR? Or is it something medical, you know, just uh, discharge them, treat them with antibiotics. We're actually the ones who are their partner, their doctor's doctor guiding them. But we don't really get any extra credit for that right now, right? We're allowing ourselves to be taken for granted. uh, And it is time for us to step into PHM models. So Dr. Lee, uh, uh, you know, a little bit ago, you mentioned opportunistic screening um, as being an important goal for treating patient populations. So can you give us a little bit bit of background uh, about what opportunistic screening is and why it's now uh, being perceived as being central to the future of PHM? Sure. In basic terms, opportunistic screening is really taking existing information, which may have just not been used and using putting it to good use. So an example in the radiology world is that we have a lot of information uh, on CT scans that may or may not be reported. Um, and if reported, may be reported only in a qualitative manner and not quantitative manner. But if we can harness that information that's already on the report, that are already on that study that was perhaps obtained for some different reason and put it to good use, that would be additional value that we've, subs- that we've currently not maximized. And so an example of this, of this category of screening is coronary artery calcification screening or osteoporosis, uh, uh, as Dr. Zadie also had mentioned. There, there is information on scans already obtained for whatever reason they are. If we're getting a CT of the abdomen and pelvis or a chest in the case of coronary artery uh, uh, coronary artery calcification screening, um, those patients that might have high coronary artery calcification scores might be directed to the appropriate consultant. And previously, we didn't have a way of really quantifying that kind of information. So that kind of information was kind of just sort of left at the table. But it's more than just taking this information, uh, which we previously was there, but not, but not really utilized. It's more than just taking that information. It's finding a way to directly push it to the appropriate consultant. So when a, when a, when a doctor gets a report, they have to pull the information and decide to do something about it. What if we, with technology, are able to push that information directly using whether it's NLP, natural language processing, 
the combination of using that type of screening and pushing that information can even better proactively take care of patients. And that's why opportunistic screening is so exciting and really fits perfectly into the population health management model of taking care of patients. And, and I guess you would, you would perceive of those patients uh, who, who maybe had those types of findings as segmented into certain patient populations. Is that the, is that the kind of way to tie that all back to, to PHM? Yeah, well, it could be, absolutely. But the beauty of it is that it might be any patient who just happened to get that kind of a study and we have that information it may be completely unrelated to why they got the study, but the beauty of it is we can, we can extract that information and hopefully push that uh, to the appropriate doctor. In the case of uh, the coronary artery calcification, maybe it goes to a nurse navigator uh, that can directly go to the primary uh, doctor taking care of it and also to the cardiologist. So there are many examples that we can use, but I think the, the, the really exciting part is that we can get this additional information and push it to the right people. Yeah, and, and I think this is right in radiology's lane, uh, you know, as a non-physician outside observer, this seems very much in radiology's lane because not only are, are radiologists, uh, you know, the kind of the, the keepers of a lot of this data, but radiologists have traditionally been at the forefront of, of so much new technology. And so you mentioned uh, natural language processing, you know, AI, things like that. It just seems right, so suited for radiology. So. Um, but Dr. Uh, Zaidi, um, you know, I guess to conclude today, what do you think uh, the future is for, P for PHM in radiology, uh, particularly as it pertains to private practice, uh, pra private practice radiology? I think the future is very bright for radiology uh, and PHM in radiology and private practice, because what I'm seeing is that, you know, health systems are looking to grow the PHM model. Uh, insurers are expanding their relationships with physicians and the government is opening up a multitude of alternative payment models as Ryan discussed. And while we have legacy academic systems which employ their physicians in an integrated care model, most other health systems are not wanting to employ radiologists directly. They recognize that uh, in their model, it's more effective to have a radiology group be given the responsibility to provide the overall professional services, and then you hold the group accountable rather than employing the docs directly. But they are asking more from the radiologists. They don't just want the typical basic professional services contract. They actually want our leadership at helping to manage the department. They want a partnership around the strategic needs of the health system. And there's a, they're actually willing to invest in that compared to the typical sort of uh, old world of uh, professional services contract. So there's a great opportunity for private practices to step up. Well, Dr. Lee, um, you know, same question to you. Where, where do you see the future of PHM heading uh, in, in academic radiology? Well, I agree with Saeed. I, I think a lot of what he said also pertains to uh, academic radiology. Um, I would also add that we just want to continue overall, whether it's private practice or academics, we want to have radiologists more integrated into the front lines of population health. As I think we've talked about today, radiology really is central in many aspects of population health. And I think we've both Saeed and I have given several examples of how that could be, whether it's with clinical decision support, uh, breast cancer or colorectal screening, or even with this newer uh, wave of opportunistic screening. And these are all different things that we as radiologists can do. And it's important that as we start taking part in more of these newer activities that we find reimbursement models or alternative payment models to support those activities because the current fee for a model service doesn't really account for any of these things. 
And so that's going to be a key part of making all of this work. And in fact, ACR is forming a payment reform a work group to explore a lot of these different ways of reimbursement. So ultimately, uh, as we talk about different ways that radials can get more involved in population health, we are also going to, in parallel, develop these reimbursement structures. Well, great. And, you know, thanks for that, that tease. Uh, hopefully we'll have you guys come back and talk about the task force and, and uh, the, their work and, and, you know, talk about alternative payment models in a lot more depth, uh, because, uh, you know, that is a, a whole other episode unto itself, I think. And for our viewers, if you have any ideas for future show topics, please let us know on Twitter at, at RadiologyACR using the hashtag hashtag ACR Bulletin Podcast. Uh, I also invite you to check out all of our episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Google Podcasts. And please be sure to subscribe uh, to ACR's YouTube channel to see our latest episodes. And lastly, please don't forget to like this video if you found it valuable. And thank you to our listeners. This has been the ACR Bulletin Podcast. See you next time.